0: We're back here, the whole nine yards on a Monday evening. Brandon, how's it going? It's good. Everything. How about you? Pretty good. Uh, How's, how's home? How was Easter?
1: Yeah. uh, No, it was good.
0: Um, As
1: you could see, obviously I'm home, Um, but yeah, no, everything was good. Um, And I, I'll be back for the next time for episodes. I'll be back on campus.
0: Yeah. I stayed on campus actually. Uh, I was at a year dorm last night. I was with Nate. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. We just, we were just chilling. We watched, uh, we were watching um, a bit of the angels white Sox game. Uh, We didn't see Otani hit the home run, but I mean, just quickly uh, he, he started yesterday. He threw, I only watched, like I saw maybe like the first four innings, um, but he was, he was, he looked amazing. I mean, he was throwing a hundred on his fastballs and the first pitch and I think it was in the first inning. He just he had a he had a 450 foot bomb. It was it was insane, and it made me think uh, that Otani. I mean, I I, I kind of knew this anyways, but if Otani just stays healthy, he's gonna be just a, such an uh, exciting player to watch. And he's definitely getting over just because you know he's he's somebody that can hit and pitch. So he might be getting a little bit more hype and press than maybe he deserves, but. Yeah, if you can stay healthy, I mean it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be like a just a Mike Trout lineup anymore. And I guess you have Rendon too, but at least like it was in the past decade, basically. But uh we'll get into the national championship. Uh, Gonzaga Baylor, the most popular picked matchup. I want to say something like 16 or 17 percent of the at least the ESPN brackets had Gonzaga Baylor yeah. as the final, the final matchup. So it's definitely the one that people knew was coming or predicted the most it's not too surprising to me. I mean, Gonzaga clearly has been the best team. And I, I didn't, I know I didn't predict them, uh, but just it's it, it plain. Their record is better than anybody else's right now. So the, and they're undefeated. And if they're, if they were to win, I think they'd be the first undefeated team, uh, in college basketball history or since, since Indiana, 1976. Okay. Yeah. So basically it's since forever. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, what are your, what were your reactions? Gonzaga Baylor, obviously you got the matchup, you predicted it correctly. And then uh, what were your reactions from, I guess we'll talk about uh Gonzaga UCLA first, if you want to talk about the final four matchups as well. Yeah, I guess just like
1: quickly, just as the game was a blowout the entire time, the Baylor Houston game. Um, I, I mean, I kind of expected it to be like that. Uh, I wasn't really thinking I was going to be that close of a game. Uh, and they were up, I think 20, the entire game uh, you could in the first half, that game was over, but uh Yeah, I think most people expected that. But the Gonzaga UCLA game, um, that was close throughout. I mean, Gonzaga was trailing most of the first half. I think they trailed in the first in ten minutes of the first half, and that was all they trailed in the rest of the tournament combined. Uh, So that was clear. This is clearly the toughest matchup of the tournament so far, uh, probably by the most least expected team, I guess, since the first round, obviously. Uh, And yeah, I mean, it was a great game. The ending. I mean, at the end of regulation, you had the charge call, which I, it was a charge. I think some people were saying that they thought it was a block or it should have been a no call. I, I think it was clearly a charge. He was not in the restricted area and he wasn't moving. So I didn't really understand that. Uh, but that was the end of regulation. And then you had overtime uh, where you had big shot after big shot. Um, Timmy, I think he had the first six points uh, coming out of overtime. Then you had Juzang. Uh, had I think he had maybe six points also in overtime, but he had the big basket at the end to tie the game. And then you obviously had Suggs hit the half-court shot from three uh, to win the game. So yeah, I mean, it was a great game. Um, probably the best game in the last five years, probably since the Villanova UNC championship game in 2016, uh, at least like in terms of just back and forth, a great shot after great shot, and then obviously a buzzer beater to win. So yeah, it was an overall great game. Um, Gonzaga definitely didn't play their best game, but they're you know there's a reason they're 31 and 0 is because they can win games like that so yeah it was definitely a great game though
0: yeah it's one of the most exciting college basketball games i've watched since yeah you're probably right at least probably like 2016 ish and my biggest takeaway from that game was basically it's it's the first time at least in the tournament that gonzaga has looked immortal it's the first game that i was you know questioning their win i was like are they actually going to win this game i'm not sure and you know once um once he hit the layup to, to tie the game at 90, I was thinking, wow, like Gonzaga might actually, you know, lose the game potentially, but obviously Suggs, I mean, lucky or not, it was an amazing shot. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think it, it doesn't affect his draft stock. now that that's super related, but I mean, he's going to be a top four or five pick. Honestly, he's going to be top four top or five. Point. He might even rise a little bit more than that. Uh but yeah, it was an amazing game, the championship game. I mean, I'm assuming you're going to stick with what you had originally. I'm assuming you're taking Gonzaga. I have to take Gonzaga too. It's tough because, I mean, I think Baylor can definitely win, but I mean, Gonzaga hasn't lost yet. They've basically they destroyed the whole tournament up until the UCLA game, in which they didn't play a great game. It was not, it was not like their first what um, four games that they've played in the tournament. So. They didn't play a great game, and they still managed to beat a UCLA team that beat Michigan. Granted, they didn't have their best player, but still, they beat a one seed and as as an eleven seed, and they had to play to get into the tournament in the first place. So, I mean, that was a that was a gritty team that they they outgritted at the end there. So, I have to take Gonzaga. I think this is I think this is their team. They've had a bunch of good teams before, dating very far back, all the way to like, I mean early, early 2000s and before that as well. So I think this is the team that wins it. I think they think they win this game. I think it'll be close. It'll be close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but. Yeah.
1: I mean, before the tournament started, I, like you said, I predicted this matchup and I predicted 77 to 72. And if you look at their scoring patterns throughout the tournament, Baylor's been around 70 points and Gonzaga's been around 80 points, at least on average. So, um, I mean, I'm just, you know, that was a score I predicted, but it does seem like that's probably what it's going to be like. It's going to be a close game. And I mean, if if Baylor's going to play like they played against Houston, where um, they shot 11 and 24 from three and 29 and 55 from the field, I mean, if they're going to put up numbers like that, then it's going to be tough because Gonzaga is, you know, their defense, they haven't played great teams, obviously, they're not in a great conference in the regular season. And then so far in the tournament, they haven't played the toughest teams. I would probably say USC was probably the toughest team they've played, but they just dominated USC. So I don't even know how much I could look into that. Uh, but I would say that if Baylor is hot from the field or at least from three, Gonzaga is definitely going to have trouble because they could put up points. I mean, I think in the regular season, they were probably, I don't know exactly what they averaged, but it had to have been at least 80 points, maybe even close to 90 points per game. Uh, they just score a lot of points. I mean, obviously you have Timmy, you have Suggs, uh, you have uh, Ay- yali I think that's how you say his name. Um, he was really good in that UCLA game also. And you have a lot of other guys uh, who can just score points. So, as long as uh, Gonzaga can keep scoring, if Baylor's going to be hot from three, they're going to win the game. But um, that's really the only way I could see Baylor being being having this, being a close game uh, if they could be hot from three and just make all the shots that they can. Uh, because I just don't see Gonzaga not scoring at least seventy to eighty points this game. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I mean, it, yeah. If Baylor can shoot fifty percent from three, and if they can shoot. I mean, if they can just shoot lights out, they might just win the game based off that. But, I mean, you could say the same thing about Gonzaga. I, it's just tough for me to not take Gonzaga here. I mean, I personally – I wasn't too big on them, only just because – maybe it's just because of the – has never won and they don't have like a quote-unquote, you know, the winningest culture of all time. Uh, I, I was a little bit skeptical, but, I mean, the fact that they've gotten this far and they've clearly – they blew teams out, which proved that they're, you know – just a dominant team and they also proved they can outgrid teams they outgritted again i mean they they out hustled outgritted they wanted it quote unquote if they quote unquote wanted it more than ucla so yeah i mean it's tough for me me not to pick gonzaga we agree on that uh but i guess one and this is quick we'll get into the mock draft after this but uh i mean does, does gonzaga doing this does this I guess if you look at somebody like a college, like Duke, Kentucky, other colleges like that, maybe like a Kansas, if you like all the top colleges for basketball, does this, I mean, is this a trend that the, the one year wonder type of college thing, one and done, I mean, is that at all taken a hit from this tournament? Do you, do you look at Kentucky and say that they're just not going to be the same anymore now that, I mean, we've seen athletes and this, we will see how it, goes in the in the future years but teams people might just not play for the NCAA NCAA they might just go into the G League or they might just take a year off do what LaMelo did
1: yeah I mean the only difference with this Gonzaga team is that they do have Suggs who is going to be one and done so unlike their other teams in the past where they usually have guys who've been there for two three four years um Suggs is the exception to that but you're right I mean you look in Kentucky Duke UNC um Kansas other you know other big schools in the nation they're usually just one and done now maybe 10 12 years 10 15 years ago they weren't but now basically every single big college basketball team is one and done but you know a Kentucky I mean obviously you want to win a national championship but you know if you're if you're just a one and done guy and you're going to a school like that you're not your main focus really isn't winning a national championship I mean let's be honest you're going there because you know that you're going to be on national tv every single game your name's going to be out there in the media and that you're going there because you know that you can get drafted. So to go to a school like Gonzaga, even a Baylor, um, and obviously there's other schools that are still really good teams, but they just don't have the high profile like a Duke, UNC, Kansas, Kentucky. Um, so I think it definitely could change. I mean, guys, you're right. I mean, with the G League, the Ignite, I mean, you had Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, who are both top five picks this year, who went there and they skipped college. Uh, obviously, LaMelo, I mean, situation was a little different, but still he didn't go to college. Um, you're probably, you're most likely going to see more guys skip college, whether the NBA changes the rule to where you can get drafted out of high school or they just take a year off, uh, go to G League, just do, you know, overseas training, uh, just not college. I think that probably will be a trend. And co- I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens with college basketball because in ten, 10 years from now, like, would, you know, how big is college basketball going to be if guys aren't even going to the top schools in the nation? I mean, you know, guys like a Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga, they turn down like a Duke in Kentucky. So if they're turning down schools like that to go to the G League, where obviously they get paid, you know, how what does that say about college basketball's future? So that, that's a question they're going to have to figure out in the next five to ten years.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, yeah, it just shows that Duke and Kentucky might just be on the downtrend. I mean, Duke didn't even make the tournament this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, anybody that – I mean, you used to have DeMarcus Cousins, John Wall – I mean, all these one and done players that would just go to Kentucky and I mean, they worked with Calipari and Calipari knew when he said before when he was recruiting them that, you know, this isn't necessarily about being the best college basketball player ever, but we're working with each other. We're helping each other out. I'll help you, you know, and the end goal is to set you up for a successful one year in college and then also a successful NBA career. And if now, you know. Jalen Green, those types of players that would have been the John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins of today, if they're just going to go to the G League, then yeah, we might just not see Duke and Kentucky be perennial one slash two seeds anymore. And it might be, I don't, I don't view Gonzaga the same way as I view Duke and Kentucky there. If you like, I mean, Suggs is a freshman, but when you go to Gonzaga, you're going for, you might go for more than one year. Odds are you are going to go for more than one year. And I know that's probably technically the same at Duke and Kentucky, but you're also going for more than just being on national TV and getting into the NBA, you're going for to win and to be a bulldog. I mean, it it just means a little bit more than going to Duke and being you basically, this is just your one. Yeah. It's your one and done to the NBA. And if the G league is going to be that, then yeah, we have to get ready for a totally new college basketball scene, but, but yeah, uh, we'll get into the mock draft. Uh, We're going to just do a, a quick, like we did, I think two weeks ago, last week, last week, whatever whatever it was. um, We're going to do the first half of the first half of the first round. Um, So I go first this time. We're going
1: to go go back and forth. You
0: go first this time. So we go back and forth on the picks. Uh, So we'll just get started. Uh, You're the first. The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, this pick's going to be the same as last week. Uh, You know, no doubt it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Um, Nothing tells us that they're not going to go there uh so i mean it's just a pretty easy pick he's the best quarterback in the draft
0: yeah uh i mean yeah he's the best quarterback and i know that all the the press has been about fields mac jones zach wilson but and nobody's talked about lawrence that's only because everybody knows he's the number one pick yeah he's still a much better prospect than wilson fields even jones especially trey lance Number two is was an easy pick in my mind, basically a lock, and it's even now more of a lock with the Jets trading away Sam Darnold to the Panthers for 2021-6th uh, and 2022 second and fourth. Yep. Um, it's Wilson. Uh, Wilson's their guy. As far as pure arm talent's concerned, I think many would say he's probably number two out of the quarterbacks, if not number one. So, yeah, he's, he's the Jets guy. I don't know that I like the pick, and I think somebody like Wilson may need more – structure and a more of a winning culture to, you know, I think it, it might be similar to what happened to Sam Donald. If it's a guy who's not, you know, NFL ready and winning culture ready, then he might just kind of flop in New York. I'm, I'm not too sure. We'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, I think Wilson's the easy pick there.
1: Yeah. I mean, something I saw, I feel I saw it um, or who said it, but they said the Jets and the dolphins were doing similar things in that they both had gates. They both fired him, got defensive coaches, new front office, uh, went with a new style, a new kind of uh, style to their front office and getting players. And obviously, the Dolphins drafted two last year, and it obviously now the Jets are going to draft Zach Wilson. That's now official. Obviously, with the trade of Darnold. So, it, if the, both those situations work out, obviously the Dolphins has worked out. The quarterback is still the question, but the rest of the team is looking pretty good. So, if the Jets can work on the other pieces first, and then the quarterback, obviously will happen for this year. But if you can work on your other pieces and elevate them, then your quarterback is going to be better no matter what. Even if he is bad, if your other pieces are better, the quarterback is going to look better and your team is going to win games. And then the hope is that the quarterback they draft second overall actually is going to be a top 10, top five quarterback one day. Uh, but I think, the, I think trading Darnold, I mean, some people were saying that, you know, they couldn't get a first round pick for him. I don't think you were going to get a first round pick for him. I just, you know, he's still 23, but, he just hasn't shown anything, whether it's his fault or the organization's fault, which I think you can blame the organization for that. But still, he hasn't shown much anyways. So getting a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick next year, and a sixth-round pick this year, I don't think that's terrible. I think that's, I think that's good. I think it works out for both sides. And when we get to the Panthers, we could talk about their situation. But I think that the Jets making this trade, I think, and obviously having Joe Douglas, having Robert Sala come in, I think they're moving in the right direction, kind of like the Dolphins were uh, two years ago. Obviously, when they hired Flores, they got rid of, you know, they both traded really good safeties—one Micah Fitzpatrick, one Jamal Adams. They draft the quarterback. They build the other pieces up. So I think it was the right move to do. And yeah, you're right, Zach Wilson. It's it's official. He's going to be drafted second overall.
0: Yeah, I think as far as the compensation is concerned, yeah, I think you got basically as much as you would have. As much as you could get, I think the only team that might have been able to give more or was able was willing to give more is probably the Pats in your own division, and you're not going to trade Donald in the division, even if the Jets don't believe in him 100. I mean, you don't trade a quarterback with at least a little bit of potential in the division; it just wouldn't make sense, unless again you just were completely, completely out on him. But I don't even think the Jets were necessarily that. I just think. They wanted the full rookie contract again and a, and a fresh restart. And I think they knew that Donald would be better probably somewhere else. So, yeah, uh, we'll see you on Wilson. But, uh, yeah, you're you're on the clock for three.
1: Yeah, so, so the Niners pick, um, obviously with them moving up, uh, l- last week we had them taking Fields. I'm going to stick with that. I think there's no reason not to move up to the third pick if you're not going to take a quarterback. Uh, so obviously with Lawrence and then Wilson, Fields is going to be the next guy available. Um, I'm not sure how much I love Fields, but he's gonna he's he's the quarter he's the top quarterback who's going to be there at number three. So clearly they like him because they knew that he was going to be there at three. So again, I'm not sure how much I like him, but I
0: mean, he's the guy
1: there, so you have to take him.
0: I mean, the rumor is that they're taking Jones. And I don't if you if you're giving me the chance of, you know, if you're trading up to three, right? I want Fields or I want, I guess, Lance, but Fields really because he's the he's probably the third or second best quarterback in the draft. And he's the guy you would get if you're trading up to three. I know you know if you like Jones and you're in love with Jones, if Shanahan's in love with Mac Jones, you know, you trade up to three, theoretically speaking, to uh, you know, assure the fact that you get him. But I honestly think you could have got Mac Jones at probably six probably six at the, he's going to go at six, probably at the earliest, I would assume. I, I don't, he just wouldn't go at three. Uh, so, you know, as far as that's concerned, I don't think you had to trip to three to get Jones, but if I, I honestly, I mean, I don't know. You can debate how a mock draft should be done, whether we're picking on who we think they will pick or who we think they should pick. Uh, I mean, what's your thoughts on Mac Jones versus the field of other quarterbacks available?
1: Well, I would definitely say Fields is, even though I'm not, I'm not sure how much I like him, he's definitely the third best quarterback. I mean, he played in the Big Ten and showed he has the skills and the talent to be a top, you know, at least a pretty good quarterback in the NFL. But um, like Lance, obviously from North Dakota State, you don't exactly know. Obviously the competition he's playing isn't great and he showed flashes, but nothing amazing, I would say. And then Mac Jones obviously played in the SEC, but You know, it's almost like Tua, where I think obviously Tua is more talented, but you're the quarterback of Alabama. So you're most likely going to be better than you really are just because you have a, you basically have an NFL offensive line and NFL skill players all around you. So I wouldn't, I would definitely be lower on Mac Jones. Um, But yeah, I think Justin Fields, I mean, if they're going to take Mac Jones, I think that's, I think that's a little crazy. No matter how much you like him, because you're right, you could easily get him probably past 10 if you really wanted to. Uh, so if they're moving up to three, I feel like you almost have to take Justin Fields.
0: Yeah, the only thing, the only reason that you would trade up to three and have to trade up to three is if you're super scared that before the Donald trade, a Carolina, a New England would trade up to pass you to get him, but I just don't, I don't see it. I, I don't see it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think if you're going for, if they pick Jones at three, even if it's a good pick, I'll still say you didn't have to give up as much yeah. as you get as much as you did to get to three.
1: Uh, it would be similar to the Bears moving up to get Trubisky. I know they only moved up one spot, which was still ridiculous because they actually traded with the Niners, who so we weren't going to take a quarterback at that point. But you know, you easily could have got Trubisky later in that first round. I don't know how much later, but at least a couple picks later. So, um, or just taking him at the number three spot, obviously, but. It would be somewhat similar to where you could have waited on that guy. So if they're moving up like this, especially when they were at 12, and then moving up to three, you almost have to take fields.
0: Yeah. Uh, four Falcons on the clock. Uh, to me, there's two positions that, well, I guess two players I kind of look at. I look at uh, Lance and I look at Pitts and I say, do the Falcons want their next plan? I'm not too sure. I mean, I think they're at least invested in Ryan for at least this year, probably the year after that. So if you're drafting Lance, you're probably sitting him for, again, at least one year. Um, Matt Ryan's only 35, I want to say, 36. So he's not like that old. And I know people say, you know, wow, look at how how insanely old Brady's getting and still able to play this well. I think that's going to be the trend as we go forward. I think players like a Ryan- maybe Stafford, but Stafford's been pretty injury prone, but a player like Ryan pocket passers, they're going to probably be, again, given the fact that they have a good offensive line or at least solid, they're going to be able to play probably until they're 40 like Favre did, like other quarterbacks have before. Drew Brees did as well. Uh, I don't know that I like that. I like Lance is what I'm saying. Um, I'm not too sure I'm as a prospect. Again, he didn't even play last year. The year before that, he threw like 27 touchdowns, no picks. Well, he technically played one game last year, but I'm gonna go with Pitts. I think he's just I think he's the best player on the board. I think he's better than any of the receivers. And I think tight end might be the most slept-on position in the NFL. There's not too many elite elite tight ends, but when you look at Kittle, Kelsey, and I'm about ready to throw Darren Waller in that as well. I think those three tight ends. You could argue, are just as valuable as any receiver in the league. Uh, it's a debate. I mean, it's a debate on the Chiefs: who's more valuable, Kelsey or Hill? And I don't, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, which just shows that tight end is a super undervalued position and probably underpaid at this point. Maybe not Kelsey and Kittle, but the rest of the tight ends in the league potentially. I think Kelsey's, or I think Pitts is the best player here. I'm taking Pitts. That's my answer. Yeah, I would probably
1: take Pitts also, um, and we're not doing trades, but I would expect, I would probably expect the Falcons honestly to move down in the draft unless they just are in love with Pitts, which I wouldn't be shocked because you're right. He, not counting quarterbacks, he is the best player on the board. Um, they do need a tight end, obviously. They have Hayden Hurst. Um, they did lose Austin Hooper last year, but you know, getting a guy like Pitts with Julio and Calvin Ridley that's a pretty stacked offense and still Matt Ryan, he's putting up, he's had some pretty good years the last couple of years. It just, you know, their defense is just so bad that they, it's hard for them to win games. Um, but physical yeah, attribute
0: yeah. wise, like physically Matt Ryan, I don't think his decline since his MVP season, I'm not yeah. saying he's going to be an MVP at all, but he can be a B plus a minus quarterback. Yeah, easily. for
1: sure. No, for sure. he can definitely be top 10, obviously more towards 10, but he could definitely be, he could still be probably is still top 10 quarterback and he could play like a top, eight quarterback, if he really you know has the protection. The, uh, and obviously, if a guy like Pitts, then you have three amazing weapons. But um, for number five, for the Bengals, um, I'd go, if assuming Pitts is off the board, uh, I'd probably go Panay Sewell. Um, I know they're saying they may try to go receiver here. I, I just wouldn't. I'd probably stay off that. I'd try to build the offensive line. Uh, Sewell the best offensive lineman in this draft, um, and he can play a lot. He can go right in at left tackle for you. Uh, Joe Burrow obviously needs offensive line help. That's the reason he got injured last year. So I think they have to learn from that mistake, take the offensive lineman. Uh, He's going to be great for probably 10 to 15 years. And obviously you're hoping to have Burrow for 10 to 15 years, maybe even more than that, who knows. But uh, to get a guy like that, a left tackle early with a quarterback, uh, that's huge. And I think that's something that they definitely need to do. So if they go wide receiver, I wouldn't say I hate it, but I just wouldn't love it. I would love if they go Sewell, but I just think that's a great pick for them.
0: To me, this is a position I could see the Bengals trading out of, too, as much as I – I don't know that they're going to, but I think they could. I think Sewell's great, but I also think you could – again, I mean, I'm not an offensive tackle expert, but assuming this draft is deep on tackles, which it is, reportedly at least, and if it is, then I would not mind drafting a tackle in the second round. They already have one tackle. They really only need one more. Draft a tackle in the second or third – maybe you could trade up into the late first if you really want to, but this, this draft seems deep for tackles. I would either trade out or I would draft whoever you want. Like maybe a Jamar chase, like somebody really has a a really elite ceiling Uh, six, the dolphins. I don't like them trading. I like them trading down to 12. I don't necessarily love them trading up to six unless they really love a guy. I don't want to go receiver here. I just, I don't, I think they could use a receiver. I don't know that they necessarily need one. If they really wanted a receiver, I would not have minded just sitting at 12 and you, you get either Waddle or Smith probably at 12. Uh, So I wouldn't have minded that, but at six, this is going to be surprising, but I'm going to do it. I mean, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Trey Lance and surprising. If if fields would, if fields was here, I would, I would be more willing to go with fields, but I'll go with, I'll go with Lance. I'm not sold on Tua being the guy. I mean, I was, a, I was a relatively big Tua guy. I just wasn't, I wasn't a Tua hater or anything coming out of the draft. I thought he was going to be the guy. He hasn't really proven it. It's not that he hasn't proven that he's not, but he hasn't proven that he that he is it. I don't love a Jamar Chase pick here. If Pitts was here, I'd, I'd be tempted to take Pitts. I don't love Jamar Chase at six. I think you get more value with him maybe around that 10 range. I don't think he's going to fall there, but yeah, I just, it would really be unfortunate to see the dolphins draft chase here. And then you would see two was not the guy. And this, this dolphins team isn't going to be below probably seven and 10. I don't think they're going to be a competitive team. They'll probably be around 500 for at least the next few years. They just have a roster and Flores seems like he's at least a semi-competent coach. Although I know there's been a bit of a a rumble there with the locker room as of recently because they cut a bunch of, they cut like, I think all their captains this year, but they're going to be a a solid team. They're not going to have the the third or sixth pick in the draft. I don't think. So if two is not the guy and you don't draft a quarterback, you're going to have to probably trade up to find a guy or get lucky later in the draft. I'm going to go with Lance. That way you have two guys, whichever one works out. The other one probably hasn't depleted their stock and you could probably still get something for them. Like you did, like the jets did with Darnold. probably even more, especially if Tua works out, let's say you draft Lance, he backs Tua up. You're not expecting Lance to start day one anyways. So if, if Tua starts day, you know, this year and he plays well, he leads them to the playoffs and you now know Tua is the guy you can trade Lance for probably, probably about where you picked him. You could probably trade him, especially given next year's quarterback draft class is just not Nearly as as highly touted as this year's, you could probably trade Lance for the sixth pick of next year's draft. So I, I don't, I, I, I honestly, the more I talk about it, the more I, I sell myself on the on the Dolphins picking a quarterback here.
1: No, I'd be surprised if they were to take a quarterback here. If they were still at three, I would not be surprised because obviously you're in that top three. But them moving out, and I know they moved to six, but they, you know, they moved out of that top three. Um, I feel like that kind of said we're sold on Tua at least for this year. Like we're at least going to be this this year and then depending on how he plays next year. But obviously for this year, I think they're sold on him. And obviously they didn't bring Fitzpatrick back. They didn't really bring in a backup. So I think Tua is the guy for this year. And I agree if Pitts could follow them at six, I'd a hundred percent take Pitts. That'd be the perfect uh, pick for them. I think he'd be great. Uh, but I don't see him getting to six, but again, if he does take him, um, I'd go, I'd go Jamar Chase. I think you need that number one wide receiver, and Jamar Chase is that guy. Uh, it would be great for Tua to have a guy like that. I know they have Devontae Parker, and you know their tight end, Jasicki, who is pretty good, and him with Pitts would actually be really good at two tight ends out like that, but to have Chase, Parker, Jasicki, um, a couple of... Them, well, fuller, fuller as well. Yeah. He's on a one-year contract spending for the first game, but still a guy who can the field like that. Um, again, I'm not sold on Tua. I was never sold on him out of the draft. I was more Herbert than Tua, but I think for this team, the team where they're going, um, and if you take Chase, I just think that's a huge weapon for someone. And you know, you kind of forget, he had that hip surgery in 2019. I don't know if he was fully recovered from that in 2020. So this will be a huge year because if he shows some flashes, and I know he wasn't running, obviously they fired Chan Gailey, their offensive coordinator, got a new one in there. Um, so if he can run a little bit more and just be more active and mobile, and obviously his arms are going to have to be better, um and look more like the 2019-2018 Tua from Alabama then you know that you made the right pick at that point um no matter and maybe Herbert could be better but you know at least it's a good pick not a bad pick uh and getting out like Chase would just be huge for them on the outside uh but for number seven the Lions you know this is kind of a tough pick um there's a couple other different ways you can go with this um but I'd probably go Micah Parsons here He's probably the best linebacker in the draft, and he's, you know, he has the character issues uh, that he's had at Penn State. But the talent, there's no question that he's one of these the most talented, I, I guess, he's probably the most talented defensive player in this draft. I mean, everyone that we've talked about has been offense so far. So um, if he can just stay straight, and I don't know about going to Detroit is exactly the right place to go for him, but. Um, he's going to be, a, he would be a great linebacker for them. Obviously they have Dan Campbell as their new head coach. He's kind of like a fiery guy. It's the whole point of him. Um, I think you bring a new culture in there. We'll see how the golf turns out, but obviously you're going to stick with them for at least this year, but getting Parsons in there, I think would be a really good pick. Um, and based on everywhere else on the board, you know, I just think that's a really good pick for them. Seven.
0: To me, if chase falls to seven, this could be a place where you potentially go with, with chase at seven. I I don't, I don't think they're like, I mean, you lost Galladay, obviously you lost Marvin Jones as well. You could totally use a guy like chase. I don't hate Parsons there. I, I don't, to me, I, I just, I think if you're going to draft Parsons and we're not doing trades, but again, I think Parsons gets more value around 10, 11, 12, more so than seven. I think Chase is a guy that if you get him at seven, that's further than he was expected to fall. So I like the value there. And I know you don't just draft off of value, but I mean, this is, I, I don't care. Uh, number eight, the Panthers. This this is tough. I mean, so they're not going to draft a quarterback. I would assume if they were, they'd have to draft Jones in this draft. So I, I don't love that at eight. This is where I go with Jamar Chase, uh, best receiver. I think if he falls to eight, that's that's beautiful for Carolina. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, if he could fall to eight, um, again, I, I would have him go into the Dolphins. But if he falls to eight, I would definitely take him. Um, if he's not on the board, I'd probably take Rashawn Slater. I mean, obviously, you just got Darnold, who you'd hope would be your quarterback of the future. So get an offensive tackle like that, where they've kind of lost pieces on their offensive line in the last couple of years. Um, so to get a guy like Slater, the second best tackle uh, in this draft, I think would be a good pick, too. But if Chase is there, I would definitely take Chase. Uh, so number nine for the Broncos, you know, this pick, I, I mean, I I think you went Sertan in our uh, last mock draft, which I could definitely yeah. see it doing, as um, you're right. I mean, they have Darby for three years and uh, Fuller for one year. Um, so we'll see what happens with Fuller at the, uh, at the end of this season, I would assume he wouldn't resign, but uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they went corner, but I'd probably go Rashawn Slater here. Um. I just think always getting offensive line, you can always help. And obviously Drew Locke is most likely not going to be the quarterback of the future. So I think for next year, you look for that quarterback, even though you're right, it's not a great class for quarterbacks next year. I think you have to get your quarterback next year. You could keep building up the offensive line. You obviously have Garrett Bowles on one tackle. You could have Slater at the other. uh, And you have a couple pieces on their inner offensive line. So to keep building up that offensive line, they have good weapons on the outside. Um, So... I think they look for the quarterback next year and keep building up the trenches this year and their defense is, it's pretty solid. I mean, again, you have to look at Fuller and how Darby can actually play with the contract, but uh, you have Simmons, uh, you have Bradley Chubb, obviously. So I think getting offensive line help would be huge.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't hate the pick. I think Slater nine is about, about sounds right for Slater. So I don't, I don't hate it. Uh, 10, the Cowboys. I mean, you you uh, wanted to draft Sertan last draft. I'll do it this draft. I think he's the safest cornerback to take. I think Caleb Farley might have a higher ceiling, but with the back surgery, I don't think he – he didn't play last year. So um, it, it's just – it's a riskier pick. And I think Farley's a guy that – he might be the best cornerback in the draft, but he's so risky, and he might fall down to around – he might even fall to somewhere around 20. So – and I think Sertan's probably going to be picked around 10 – it's the guy that I think has been linked to the Cowboys the most as well, just in general. I'll, I'll take Sertan. I think he's probably a safe pick. I think he's going to be a great player. I don't know that he's going to be an elite cornerback, but he'll be pretty, pretty darn good. I'll take Sertan.
1: Yeah. That, I mean, that's a pick I would take too. I think he's the perfect pick for the at 10. Uh, next is the giants. Um, so, I mean, they're most likely going receiver here. I'd be surprised if they don't go receiver uh, and with chase being off the board it's down to waddle or uh, smith so i mean i like waddle better than smith um so even though i wish the giants would take the worst of the two receivers you know however their careers uh panned out obviously but for the mock draft i think they take waddle i just think he's the better receiver and i know the weight people you know with smith he's only 170 and i know people have been saying that you shouldn't worry about that i think it is something to worry about uh only being 170 pounds it's you know i know there's guys who are little and don't weigh a lot but to be a true number one receiver, a guy who could really be a true playmaker to be 170 pounds. That's just tough to be in the NFL. And I know in college you in the secs, so you're basically playing NFL type players, but it's a different level when you get to the NFL. Um, so I think Waddle is just the safer pick. And obviously I know he had the broken ankle last year, but I think that was, I'm not too concerned about that. It's not a back issue. It's not something that can keep happening in the long term. I think it was just something, a one-time incident that happened with his ankle. So I, I think the better pick is Waddle, but either wide receiver I think is a, I think is a pretty good pick here, but I think Waddles the better one.
0: Yeah, I don't, I think Waddle probably is probably the better receiver than Smith. I think Smith is riskier. Smith may be better. I'm not exactly too sure, but I mean, Smith won that Heisman because Chase wasn't even there. He didn't play last season, and Waddle got hurt. Waddle was arguably having a better season before he got hurt. So, yeah. At 12, I mean, I don't want to draft another receiver if I'm the Eagles, but, I mean, he might he's probably the best player available anyways. So, I mean, I don't want to do it because I honestly – I kind of want Smith to fall to the Patriots at 15 – But I mean, this is just a mock draft, so it doesn't actually affect them in real life. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Devontae Smith for the Eagles. I think he's going to be I think I mean, those top three receivers to me, at least in my mind, I find it hard to believe that one of those guys will bust. Maybe one of them will maybe Smith, but I don't think so. I mean, he won the Heisman. He's so electric. He's insane. If he does, as long as he's not, you know. 160 pounds going into the first game of the regular season. I think he'll be fine. I don't think the weight's something to be concerned about, really. So I'll go with Smith, and I think the Eagles finally actually hit on a receiver. I mean, they've had so many misses. I I think Rager's probably a miss at this point. I mean, even if he works out, he's at least a miss compared to Jefferson. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I like that pick, too. Um, 13 Chargers. uh, I think they have a big need at cornerback. I mean, if you look at their secondary – Their best player is Chris Harris, and he's not in his prime like he was with the Broncos in 2015. So he obviously lost um, – what was his name? The guy went to the Titans, um, King, Desmond King, you lost him. Uh, You traded him earlier this year. Uh, So I think corners are a big problem for them. So if Sertan's going to be off the board at 10, I think Farley is probably the pick here. You could go J.C. Horn also. Um, I do think Farley has the bigger upside, but obviously with that back injury, you just never know but I'm going off upside for them. I think Farley's just a really good fit for them. Um, so you'll have to see how he is with the back. You have to look at the medicals and hope that he is going to be okay. I think they did say that he should be good by training camp. Uh, so he'll probably, by the time the season starts, assuming no setbacks, he'll probably be 100%. But if everything checks out medically uh, and you do know and you like him as a player, obviously, I think uh, Caleb Farley is a great pick at 13 for the Chargers.
0: Yeah. If he, again, if it, my only concern is really the injury, but other than that, he's just raw cornerback talent. He's probably number one on this, on this draft. I mean it, at 14 for the Vikings, it's perfect. Almost perfect for them. I'll take Elijah Vera Tucker. They, they probably need, they need offensive line help. That's probably their biggest need, if not one of their biggest needs. And I think Tucker falling to 14, Again, that's a, probably around where you'd think he would be. He might even go earlier. He probably will go earlier than 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 fourteen. So to get him at fourteen, you can kind of play him wherever on the line too. Um, you're not going to play him at center, but he could he can play guard. He can play tackle. He's done both. I'm perfectly fine with the Vikings taking with taking Tucker here at fourteen.
1: Yeah, um, for fifteen for the Patriots, um, obviously your favorite team. Um, did you did you already take Lance? Is he off the board?
0: Lance, the only quarterback on the board is is um Mac Jones. Well uh, out of the ones that would probably go in Mac the top Jones. sixteen.
1: Yeah. See, I mean I'm kind of stuck if I would go Jones to see, you know, obviously this year he wouldn't start with Cam, you assume, unless Cam plays really bad. I think
0: I mean I think if you draft Jones, he can start day one. I, I don't I I think he could. He could um, easily beat out Cam Newton. Like I hate to say it, but Cam Newton. I mean, I know it last year was a COVID year and all that, but I, I've seen enough of Cam Newton to know that he can definitely be beaten out by, by by Jones. And I don't I don't love Jones, but
1: yeah, I mean, I think I'm gonna go Jones. I I'd, I'd probably like to go with a different position, but. I think I'm just going to go with Jones uh, just for the reason that he could possibly turn out to be someone for them. Um, Obviously Cam's not going to the answer. No one that you have right now is the answer. So I think if they like Jones enough, I think you could take him at 16 um, and hope that he could turn out to be just, you know, a pretty good quarterback. Obviously you'd hope they could be a really, but I just don't think he's going to ever reach that Uh, maybe in a perfect system. But I think you could, if there's no wide receiver, I definitely take a wide receiver. If there's one there, the top three, uh, but assuming there's not, I would probably take Mac Jones.
0: Yeah, I think it's Mac Jones. Is you'd assume he'd probably go somewhere around 15. If he do, if he were to slip past 15, that's when you'd start seeing teams call other teams and try to trade up. So I don't see him falling past. Probably I don't see him falling past probably 15 or 16, and he might even go three to the 49ers. So I don't think it's a horrible pick. Yeah, I, I think Smith or Waddle. Probably Smith though is your best like player on the board type of pick compared to Jones. I think that's more like value at 15 probably, but but yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate the 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 Jones pick. If he's the guy and, and Belichick loves him, he's the guy. And he as far as his pro day and his his physical attributes are concerned, he's proven that he's not just gonna be or he doesn't have potential to be a mobile guy. He can be mobile. He can be he can. He has Mahomes' speed. I think he ran a four eight or something at the at the forty uh, for the forty yard dash, and that might be slightly inflated because there's no combine. But, but yeah, I think he can be more than like a, a stand in the pocket type of passer, uh, which is good for obviously for current NFL days. But uh, sixteen, the Cardinals. There's a few ways they could go, but with losing Peterson, Kirkpatrick, Jonathan Joseph, both free agents right now, you'd look to go cornerback and. Really, I mean, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Horn out of South Carolina. I really I think it's similar to the wide receivers. You have Farley, Sertan, and Horn. I think those are the top three corners, just like Waddle, Smith, and Chase are the top three receivers. I think Sertan will probably go first, just like Chase will probably go first. But I think those all three of them are all three great picks at anywhere between you know five and or probably like ten and sixteen. All three of those guys probably go in between there. So whichever one you get uh, as the Cardinals, I like. Most likely it'll be Horn at 16, maybe Farley. I, I like the pick. Uh so yeah, I'll go with Horn. Hopefully he replaces Peterson. He he probably won't be, you know, a 10 times straight pro bowl or whatever it was, what Peterson was. But you know, if you if you can get a, a solid number one corner who can go head to head against Metcalf, Lockett, I mean, all these um the guys in, in Los Angeles. The guys in uh, San Francisco, I mean, if you can get Horn to be your number one corner, I mean, you need that. You need that at the, as, as the Cardinals. So I'll go with Horn at 16.
1: Yeah, no, I really like that pick. I think one of those three corners is going to be there. It's probably going to be Horn unless the injury concerns for Farley are just really bad, so he maybe falls down to them. But it's probably going to be Horn there. Uh, but, and for Mac Jones, he did run a unofficial four, seven, nine. So yeah, basically like a Mahomes, um, type of athlete
0: and speed, everything like that. Yeah. I, I don't love Matt Jones, but honestly, it's just, I mean, I, I what do I know if Belichick, li- if Belichick likes him then I like him to be honest, and, and Belichick has not been a great drafter and I have definitely been earlier on this than the national media has just cause I'm a fan of the team. I know that hundred percent. I know that. 100%, I know that. But again, if the head coach likes him and he's sold craft and he's sold the team on on him being the number one guy, and Belichick scout guys love him. If Saban loves Mac Jones compared to Tua, I mean, hey, getting your number your your guy at fifteen, it's huge, obviously. So yeah, yeah. But uh, that was the mock draft. That was that's the episode. Appreciate everybody who stayed to the end. Um, yeah. Uh. So we'll be back. I mean, any last words before we?
1: Um, I guess the n- the next this time next week, we'll each do our own draft. So instead of just going back and forth on picks, we'll each do our own 16 first picks. Um, so that'll be our last mock draft before the actual NFL draft happens. Um, so I guess just look out for that next week.
0: Yeah, but I uh, appreciate everybody who stayed to the end. Stuff in the description, bunch of stuff. Feel free to sub, like, notification bell, all that type of stuff. We'll be back. Thursday night, Friday at noon-ish, so uh, stay tuned.